Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is director and co-writer Eleanor Coppola. Welcome to the show, Eleanor. Thank you. It's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to talking about your new film, Love is Love is Love, and who doesn't love love? <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how this idea came about. It's three separate stories, and how did each one come about? Well, there's a kernel of my own life experience in each one, and I usually start with something that's real or true or something I experienced or care about or heard about. And um, so each one comes from a a source from my own life that I fictionalize fictionalize it. And I take the story to my co-writer and she kind of brings the levity to it, the the jokey parts and things like that. (laughs) But for instance, the first one, uh, which is called Dinner uh, Two for Dinner, is a situation where a few years ago I was looking for an actor to play the part of the husband in the sailing lesson, the middle story. And I was uh, Skyping with an actor in Canada, and he was talking about somebody in, on this location where they were that was um, dating his wife on Saturday night over Skype. And somehow that just intrigued me, that idea of, uh, since I know about being away in locations and how that all uh, goes down, I developed that into a story. It was finished way before COVID, so time <laughs> was kind of intriguing, but uh, now it's more, more ordinary. I was going to say exactly that. During COVID, a lot of people were doing exactly that, having Skyping dates. <clears throat> Excuse me. And since so many people are you know, do online dating and they're doing long distance dating, Skyping, uh, Skype dates have become extremely popular. So uh, now it's ordinary. It's <laughs> finished. It was different. It was very different. It was very different. So with that, you know, what, so how was the casting process for that? Did you cast the actor that you were thinking about for sailing uh, lessons? I, I hoped to, but his schedule and mine didn't work out. So uh, that was just the uh, situation. Uh, no, I made um, Paris Can Wait in France, and uh, it took six years to find the funding for it. And, it, you know, it was kind of, for me, a big deal and complicated and not, uh, away on location. And I wondered what I could do just right at home, you know, not to wait six years to find funding and, and do some smaller pieces that maybe would just be shorts and go to shorts uh, festivals and things like that. But um, as it turned out, I made these three pieces and then it, it seemed they were the length of a feature film. So uh, I joined them together and released them as as one piece of, of narrative film. Well, I'm glad that you did. They're both, they're all unique. And, uh, and I really, um, intrigued by, uh, they were all wonderful, but the, certainly late lunch for me, I'm sure for many people too, it's the longest of the, of the three, um, was just incredibly touching, but I'm intrigued by the fact that First of all, that you started, you came to directing rather later in your life. You did some uh, documentaries, um, but you decided to do this later. What 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 was the impetus for you to decide to get into directing? Well, in my early seventies, um, I had a health scare, and I realized that gee, I might not live forever. What <laughs> what else would I just like to do? And um, I'd had an ex- this experience at the foundation of uh, Paris Can Wait, this trip with a 
French gentleman. And I was telling a girlfriend about it, and we were laughing, and she was saying, that's the movie I want to see. <laughs> and for somehow, just a little light bulb clicked in <laughs> somewhere in me, mm-hmm. and I started to write a script. And at first I said, how could I possibly write a script? I'm, you know, I have two Academy Award-winning script writers in my family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It qualifies me. <laughs> anyway, I was just at that point, I think, um, the Japanese call it post-menopausal zest. <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard that, but I like that. <laughs> and, um, it's just a kind of fearlessness that I think comes over you at later in life, at yes. the end of your life. I mean, what do I, What was the worst that could happen? It could be a disaster, a failure. It's not going to destroy my career possibilities. and Or if it's a, a, a hit, it's not going to start my career. I mean, it just... I could just be more fearless, I think, than someone at another stage in their life and um, kind of going on that. And I just kept, and every time the door closed in my face, because the men, I'm sorry to say, producers <laughs> who really control the finances, as far as I can tell, or I experienced, uh, they just would read the script and say, nothing happens. And uh, that's the same with this, this movie, Love is Love is Love. It just was sort of brushed off people's desks because nothing happens. <laughs> and, uh, it's because there are no male heroes, no car crashes, <laughs> no blood, no no <laughs> machine guns. I mean, nothing, no aliens, no vampires. It's just like nothing happens from the male perspective. Right. But the women who see it, and particularly late lunch, uh, respond in a, a deeper emotional way. Well, I agree with you 100% that um, it's good that, I mean, to me, much happens in these films, each one of them. There's a lot that goes on, just not in the action genre that we think about, because it's more on that uh, visceral uh, level uh, in these films. And, you know, I I think we need to make more movies for adults, and not only for adult men, but for adult women. Um, you know, we... They're, they're, we're a strong audience. You know, the baby boomer generation is still one of the largest, and we're a strong audience, and we still like going to the movies. And so this film is definitely for that audience, but as well, you know, for younger people too, because they can learn from this film, for each one of these films. This, love is love is love, each one of these separate films within a film. Well, it, that's interesting you say that because... Uh uh, for instance, in Sailing Lesson, the middle one, a friend of mine saw it with her daughter, and she said all the way home from the, <laughs> the screening, they were talking, and the daughter kept saying, you know, that couple, she said, they're just like you and Dad. <laughs> 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 and so there is a little crossover from the younger generation and also in the uh, of late lunch, you know, the, it's a concerns a younger woman who's uh, lost her mother and uh, I think there's many people who can relate to someone they've lost that uh, was dear to them and and, uh, speaks to that you know I agree with you that there isn't enough um, there aren't enough films, movies made for uh, the 50 plus audience you know Mm -hmm. it's a demographic that is really kind of ignored by the the general stream of of movie making and um, the 
this film was finished in, uh, well, it was finished in 2019. <laughs> and, right. Uh, oh, right before the pandemic then. Yes, and so it just hit the wrong time. And the distributor who took it um, in uh, last uh, February held it till this fall, thinking that, that people would be going back to the theater. And you're right that that demographic wants to go to the theater, but they're not going yet, we've discovered. Right. So uh, we're making a, a push for uh, the video on demand. Yeah, I think, yeah, especially now with new variants coming out, I think more and more people are going, I don't know if I want to go back into a crowded especially theater. that demographic of yes. our gen- generations. Uh, the young kids are fearless, and they're going out to see the Marvel movies and action movies more than ever. But the uh, 50-plus generation is uh, really staying home still, so that's consideration soon we'll be back out there again but at least you're getting it on uh, VOD where, where as long as we're talking about that where can people f- find love is love is love oh well right now they can pre-order it on iTunes and uh, it's going to be all over the place it's going to be on Amazon and I don't know they gave me a list of like 10 <laughs> um, channels that would be so it won't be too hard to find. Good, good, and it, maybe people should seek it out because it's it's there's so much to it. So I mean, there, first of all, too, you have an incredible cast. So let's talk about because each one of these stories has some wonderful actors um, in in their segment. So let's talk about the casting process for well, each one. <laughs> let's talk about two for dinner. Okay. Well. Uh, um, you know, it's a mixture of people that you sort of met in your life and you know, and uh, it just happens that, uh, you know, I've met uh, Joanne Wally over the years, and and um, her son played in my granddaughter's uh, first movie, and Chris Messina played in that film, and I met them, and they just seemed really uh, just perfect for what I was uh, trying to do, so... They were my first considerations right from the start. I didn't really have to do a, a casting call. Did you write it for them in mind when you because you co-wrote this? Um, did you write it with them in mind when you were writing it? Um, no, I can't say that I really did. But um, it just seemed so perfect. So when they came to mind, I, I just sort of went right for them, and I was very fortunate that our schedules all matched up. Because that's the key now. Everyone has so many different uh, opportunities for films and television that it's very hard to line up uh, different actors. And for the second one, for um, Sailing Lesson, um, I have this wonderful casting person. He's just a genius. He's cast all of Francis's films and my daughter's film, every, <laughs> everybody in the family and Many, many other projects. Uh, Fred Roos, who uh, lives in Los Angeles and has his finger on the, um, really, on all the up and coming and, uh, and all the experienced actors and actresses. And, uh, you know, he read the script and he knew I was looking for a woman of a certain age. And he introduced me to uh, uh, three or four wonderful women. And I just thought uh, Kathy Baker had just such a kind of perfect warmth and 
sincerity and authenticity about her. Uh, I really liked working with her a lot. I love her. She's always great in whatever she's in. She's an amazing she's actress. Yeah, yeah, she really is. Talent. And, uh, and the man who plays the husband is someone, he's the husband of uh, Milena Cannonero, who is this uh, five-time winner Oscars for her costumes. She's done just amazing costumes. And she's uh, worked for Francis on Godfather 3 and on Cotton Club and on all these different things. And for Sophia, for Marie Antoinette, she won an Oscar. She just is one of these incredible talents. And so over the years, of course, we've met the husband, who's a character actor. He acts in, he's in a lot of things, but, um, you know, in a smaller um, way. And I, I know him, and I've, I felt at ease with him, and I felt he could really do it. And uh, so it was kind of a no-brainer <laughs> that that uh, worked out. It did. I mean, because they're so good together. Had they had they ever met before? I, I'm not sure they'd ever met. No, yeah. no. They're, they're so they good. They had a good time together. Yeah, you can see that. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can definitely see that. And they had really good chemistry and uh, the way that. Well, then, so this is a small production, so we all kind of lived in the same hotel, and you know, and wherever we were. So we get to know each other pretty well. Let's talk about Sailing Lesson. We talked a little bit about the um, two-for-dinner synopsis about having, you know, Skype dates, but we didn't talk about Sailing Lesson and what that segment of this film is about. Well, I I knew a lot of women who uh, found that when their husbands retired that they had a really kind of hard time adjusting. The women seemed to be, they make the adjustment much easier. They had interests and things that they went into. I think maybe women are kind of uh, more (laughs) multi-interest. They they interact with the community through their children and in so many ways that men sometimes, and successful ones too, but particularly are focused in one field, in one area. And when they retire, they just kind of aren't sure what to do with themselves because they've been used to going to that office and having that specific job and and being uh, in charge of their employees and so on and so forth. So that um, this was really something that I was observing in in friends that uh, the the men were having a hard time adjusting. (laughs) In fact, one man saw this early on. He said, "Ooh, he said, oh, that's so hard to watch." <laughs> <laughs> and, and women just keep telling me, "Oh my God, my so my husband." <laughs> so um, it's, again, it's the perspective. It's these films are coming that I'm making are coming from a very female uh, perspective, and we just don't see enough of that. I think right. on the screen to right. really be familiar. And, say, well, of course, that's the female perspective. It's, it's just uh, not, not out there very much. I agree with you, but you, your daughter has done some things in that arena to bring more of that female voice, and I think it's starting to change slowly, slowly. Yes, it is changing, and I, I agree with you. In fact, my daughter is kind of my inspiration of, of uh, gee, you can just, you can write something and about something that you've experienced in your life lost in translation she had a little um, a clothing company where she sold in Japan frequently and she was flying back and forth and, and that sensation of being in a hotel room late at night and 
can't sleep and, and uh, all the directions for parties and things like that all come from faxes and your clicking in your room and you know it just all the kinds of things she was experiencing and she put them on screen and I think that um, you know that really uh, gave me courage to uh, to try it and her films would not be made by a man and I think that's a big contribution to our cultural dialogue I, I agree she, I just saw no when did I see it I saw it a while back her most recent one uh, with Bill Murray on the rocks? yes Yes. <laughs> yes, I thought that was very good. I really enjoyed it. Again, it's a you know it's a different perspective, and it's um, and and we need it. We need to hear more of the female voice in film. I think so. Yeah. You know, for for everyone, for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. Was that based on anything that, on the rocks that you can think of in her life? Well, a lot of the things that Bill Murray said uh, were actually quotes from uh, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> Or very, uh, you know, drawn from certain aspects of, of his uh, you know, commentary, things like that. So I know she's drawing on her life. I don't know the, the full aspect of, <laughs> of the film. Well, she obviously has a very uh, good relationship with Bill Murray, and we always love seeing him in, in anything, but particularly a film that she's she's directed. So, um, yeah, they have a good collaboration there for sure. Hopefully we'll yeah, see more of them yeah. together uh, down the road. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a, such a character and charming man. Yes, he is. I had I had dinner with he and a group uh, one year at a Super Bowl uh, at, at in Pebble Beach, and that was kind of fun. I w- won't get into all the details, but he was very lovely, really lovely, lovely man. Yeah. You know, he comes to you know to Pebble every year for the AT and T golf tournament. So, and it's usually around the time of the Super Bowl. So, it was a good com- oh. you know, with the combination. So, yeah, yeah, but so. he's great with the fans. People love him. He's just you know. He's always so gracious and loving. You know, you know it too. You've met a lot of famous people in your lifetime, and some are just real genuine, no matter whether they're on screen or off. And then some other ones, you be a little disappointed <laughs> once you meet them. They're a little different. <laughs> but he's not one that disappoints. He's really, really a gracious man. Well, I think there's a difference in actors who recognize that when they're out in public, they have a public and they have, an op- they have a responsibility to be accessible and a nice person with their public because that's what's supporting them. And there are other actors who, they have so many uh, things, obligations that they have to do in public and they just get cranky is my experience. (laughs) We all have moments though, don't we? (laughs) You've got to forgive people every once in a while if they just have one of those moments because you never know what's really going on. In their life, but generally speaking, yes, I totally agree with you. You know, it's, it, it, I think it would be very, very hard to be an actor. <laughs> well, we had a fundraiser once for uh, food for for the Napa Valley uh, underprivileged, and and Michael Douglas came, and and the way they'd organized it was they had kind of a roped off area where the celebrities were, and. He, um, and, you know, there are people who want to get autographs or take a picture with him or something, and all of, and the, the minders were saying, no, 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 you can't come into this area, you can't come. In. And Michael Douglas walked out and signed autographs and took photos. And he said, he said to everybody else there, he said, you, do, if you're not willing to participate with your audience, don't come. 
Right. (laughs) Right. That's the right attitude. Right. It's the right attitude because it's because of your fans that you are famous and that you have the life you do have and that people are still continuing to go see you in movies. So, um, you know, so I think you have a responsibility. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And so uh, maybe we should talk about late lunch. I was just going to go there. (laughs) You read my mind. So let's talk about late lunch and and, uh, let's tell the audience what late lunch is all about. Well, Late Lunch is based on an actual experience of a dear friend of mine passed away, and her daughter and daughter-in-law created a lunch for her friends, and there were about 30 of us. It was a buffet lunch, and it wasn't like I depicted it, but uh, we all talked about her, and just it was so kind of emotionally nourishing, mm-hmm. just is the word I could say. It was really touching that we all had a chance to talk to each other and and uh, just see each other because we'd seen oftentimes been together with this friend and so forth and as we were leaving the daughter opened a door to the den or something and uh, there were scarves and jewelry that had belonged to our friend and she asked us to take something so um, I took this great scarf that's a color that is my one well, my friends color. you know how certain people have a color well she had a certain color of royal blue and I, or dark blue and I have this scarf and I I wore it every day on the set because I just felt like it was one of those things. And then, um, interestingly enough, I was looking for a location to shoot this uh, movie, and the house that my friend who passed away lived in was empty because the family had decided whether they were going to sell it or fix it up or you know, what to do with it. And so we were able to shoot in the house that my friend oh, wow. had lived in. Wow. It was so rich with emotion Mm. for me. And I condensed, of course, the experience down to this table of uh, these 10 women. And I had the opportunity to sort of express different aspects that I think are important. Mm -hmm. Sybil Shepherd speaks about my perspective on abortion and and someone else. uh, Joanne Wally speaks about... uh, her husband leaving her for his boyfriend and I've had two friends that have had that experience and so I mean I just drew together threads of my life and interests and experiences that I'd had to uh, bring them all to the to the table and I got a wonderful cast again by yes. way of Fred Roos. <laughs> yeah. Oh great cast let's talk about yes, that I do want to say before we go, though, that you, it, it, it was as if your friend who passed on was divinely guiding you, you know, the wearing of the scarf and, and being in her home, um, I'm sure added so much to it, like you, like you just said, but that feeling her presence the whole time, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. And every morning when we came to work, the, when the women were, we were ready before the first shot, uh, we stood in a circle and, and held hands and talked about our intention for the day. And we just, we came together in a way that men don't do on their set. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. It gave a kind of um, rich ensemble kind of feeling, I think, to the women at the table. They really listened to each other, encouraged each other, were present, and uh, it was, uh, they were a wonderful group 
together. They really were. And I'm so sorry, we are out of time, but I, people, everyone, uh, go out and find Love is Love is Love. It's it's just wonderful. The whole film is just a sweet, uh, lovely film, each one, each each one of these films within a film. Eleanor, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a thank pleasure you to have you here. Interest, Jam. Thank you, thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, and I'll all the shows are archived, or you can listen to the show wherever your favorite podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Also, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies.